Over more than a decade as a permaculture teacher and mentor, I've offered direct one-on-one support to my students, clients, and community members. This same personal approach is available to you as a listener of the Permaculture Podcast. Whether you're looking for additional insights on a backyard design, are working on the next steps of your permaculture journey, or something else entirely, let me focus all of my knowledge and experience on what you are currently facing. Together, we can discover a solution. It all begins with an hour-long conversation. Schedule yours today at calendly.com permaculture. 45 episodes of the Permaculture Podcast, 24 live streams, being able to reach out to me by email, phone, letter, or text. What is a year of the Permaculture Podcast worth to you? Donate now to the Summer to Fall fundraiser, and you'll receive this full slate of programs while supporting the community and adding to the hundreds of hours of programs available to anyone with a connection to the internet. Make a one-time donation online at paypal.me slash permaculturepodcast. Drop something in the mail. Scott Mann, 210 East Fairfax Street, number 300, Falls Church, Virginia, 22046. Or if you'd like, you can become an ongoing donor by joining the podcast Patreon community at patreon.com slash permaculturepodcast. With the release of this episode, the podcast is back to full-time production. This is the Permaculture Podcast. I'm Scott Mann. Today I'm joined by Hannah Eckberg to discuss what she's been up to since we last spoke in 2017 and her work with Abundant Earth Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit that's moving philanthropic resources and support to permaculture projects around the world. Along the way, we talk about the resources that are available, the role that non financial support plays in overall success the kinds of projects Abundant Earth Foundation works with, the best way to contact the foundation, and much more. If you're interested in developing an organization, finding like-minded projects and partners around your specific niche, the role which structures like a nonprofit can play in advancing permaculture, or ways to contribute to the movement, this is a conversation for you. Enjoy this interview with Hannah, and I'll join you again after. Then Hannah, last time we spoke, you were editing Permaculture Magazine North America. That was a number of years ago, and I understand that since then you've moved on to other things. Could you give us a bit of an update about where you've been and what you've been doing, and then we can move into our conversation for today? Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Scott, it's great to reconnect. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, let's see. About three years ago, well, so the end of 2017 it would have been, I was in India at the last international permaculture convergence. and was talking with a friend of mine and witnessing so many projects from all around the world where just a small infusion of support, not always necessarily money, but quite often money, you know, would help move these projects much further along. Just so many projects that needed a little bit of support that could make such a big difference, both in local communities as well as at a global scale. And so we decided to start what at first was called the Fair Share Foundation, playing off the third ethic of permaculture, where, you know, once you have enough, share the abundance with others. And it was our vision that everybody who's into permaculture, if they donated, like, say, 10 euros a month, 
to this fund, then we could give that out and be able to really help support a lot of projects all around the world at a very grassroots level. And so we started doing that. It was primarily through support with my co-founder, Andrew Zions, and then me doing the legwork of starting the nonprofit and running that. We then decided to change the name to the Abundant Earth Foundation because that was really what we're working to try to create. We haven't quite had the success with the full grassroots fundraising like we had imagined, but we also haven't really pushed that too much and are really going to start doing more of a grassroots fundraising campaign just because we really feel like everybody can contribute in one way or another, and even if it's not financial, to give mentorship or volunteering or something. And that everybody can also be philanthropists and that right now the earth is in such a state of emergency and that permaculture offers so many solutions, both environmentally, economically, and socially, that now is the time for everybody to come together and help support each other and see what we can do. Yeah, both at local and global scales. Well, and it was one of the reasons why when I heard what you were doing now, I wanted to speak with you because there's so much money in the philanthropy world, having done some organizational development over the years, worked with some nonprofits, researched grants, done some grant writing and everything that goes with it, that there's just so many resources available in that space to be moved towards projects like those that matter within the permaculture community. And I myself had looked at creating a 501c3 with a similar kind of goal to be able to move resources you know, to all of these amazing projects that were in the world. But then as with so often happens, you know, you ask around, you talk to some friends in the community, and you find someone who is doing this kind of work already. And so, you know, rather than trying to reduplicate what is already there, let's have these kinds of conversations, let people know what's out there so that we can work together to promote this work rather than all of us kind of trying to do the same thing over and over again. Definitely. You know, the nonprofit world is so competitive and really wasn't something I was looking to get into, but just saw a great need. And that is really the attitude that we come from of this is meant to be a partnership with people. And how can we support as many projects as possible and take advantage of the 501c3 that we have established? And really create a support network. And so we do a lot of fiscal sponsorship of programs and projects. And some of them have then moved on to get their own 501c3s. Some remain under us. Some are just one-time donations. Others we have listed on our website as projects that people can donate directly to. Well, it goes through us and then we allocate those funds, but people can choose which specific projects they want to donate to or to donate to, as I call it, the mothership of Abundant Earth Foundation so that then we can allocate that money out to smaller grassroots projects. And really, 
most of the in-house projects that we then do are all about creating alliances. And most of the names of those projects include the word alliance. And so just trying to work with other nonprofits as well, or for-profits or individuals, then yeah, just really trying to create a whole ecosystem of support for permaculture movement, for the regenerative movement, for agroforestry, kind of for whatever title you want to add to the great work of healing the planet and our social structures. And so when you are looking for projects and organizations to partner with, what are some of your criteria or areas of interest if you don't necessarily have like a formal checklist, but like if someone wanted to come to you because they're looking for this kind of support, they have a project that they'd like to advance, what are you looking for? Our main aspect is related to the umbrella of permaculture or the regenerative movement. And since both are sort of so nebulous, (laughs) we are able to really look at projects individually. And we really judge on merit of the idea. How likely is it to be successful? But we also understand that right now needs a lot of creativity and bravery and thinking way outside the box. And so also really seeing what are the cutting edge things that maybe other people aren't willing to support because they're not proven concepts. And so we will try to see, really I like to think of it in terms of as Buckminster Fuller talks about trim tabs. What are the areas that we can put the least effort and get the most gain to put it into permaculture terms? And so we also try to focus on projects that are supporting women and youth or disenfranchised communities. We support a lot of efforts in refugee camps and communities that are often overlooked or that are too small to really get funding or to deal with the bureaucracy of going after larger donations. So we try to keep everything very agile and easy, especially for people whose English is not their first language. How can we try to make support still accessible? But I do have to admit right now, you know, we, we have given out all of the funds that we have available. And so we are trying to do a lot more fundraising so that we can support more projects because we just get flooded by people requesting, you know, anywhere from $500 to $5,000 is usually our main bracket that we work with if we're making the donations or helping with little fundraising campaigns. Our projects that have been umbrellaed under us, we've actually been able to help move almost a million dollars this year. And so that's been really exciting. That is mostly with the fundraising and partnership with the projects we are umbrellaing. 
And by that term, I, I mean acting as a fiscal sponsor so that they come on and use our 501c3 nonprofit information and a number so that any donations made to them come through Abundant Earth Foundation and then get directed out to that project. We take a small percentage to cover our expenses with all of that. And then the donor gets a tax deduction. And so it's as if the project has their own nonprofit, but doesn't have to go through all of the hoops to establish it. But like I said, then many projects do go on and get their own 501c3. And so we're trying to make this as a one of the rungs in the ladder as they get on their own feet and also really try to support with other means besides just financial. That's just one of the forms of capital, but also what mentorship can we give or help designing websites or really networking also. And, and that's my biggest asset is, is my network and just knowing so many amazing people in this movement throughout the world. And, and so who should be working together to create the synergy, to create the impact that is needed now? And that's where I find that working within this community for so long, you know, running the show now for more than 10 years, is that we kind of, for those of us who have been doing this work for many years, we, we wind up in places where we know a lot of people who are doing good work. And a lot of times it's just finding who they need to be in touch with to be able to continue that, to get that little bit of information or an idea or a resource that moves their thoughts and practices forward. And I think about the way that we kind of curate a lot of information and resources that through organizations like Abundant Earth or you know, hosting the Permaculture Podcast for so long, that if people are interested in finding what they need to move their project forward, that there are all these different ways that we can assist them beyond just raising money for a project. Philanthropy and donations and an influx of money is not always a good thing. And so we really try to look at that. And, and so it's like, yeah, what are the systemic changes that we can help create so that people aren't just thinking about money and having to come ask for it every time? And so we're really trying to look at projects that are trying to get on their own feet financially and create circular economies. We're trying to start a program called Deeper Roots, which would then really be training the trainers and, and with the idea of putting teachers on salary so that they know they're going to get their living wage each month and that they can go around then and be spreading permaculture practices really then for free to the community and to other people, or that people contribute, maybe they provide the food for the course, or they let other people stay with them, or they find other ways to contribute so that it is all this holistic approach and more of communal learning and communal support. And so just really trying to see how can we move into more creative ways so that what finances and donations we do give are as impactful as possible. Those 
slow and small solutions that really magnify the impact that any one of these projects can have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I do this dance between the slow and small solutions and the extreme urgency that I feel is going on in the planet. And, you know, when it's 120 degrees up in Canada and a billion organisms die in the Shalish Sea because of that, and billions of animals died last year in the fires in Australia, and I'm on the west coast of California currently, you know, we've already got a couple of fires going on in the area. It's really scary. And so, as impactful as somebody can be with a garden in their backyard, we're even promoting tiny gardens, you know, that anybody can grow food, even if it's on your porch on a, in an apartment building in a burlap sack. You can be contributing that way to your own well-being and to the environment by growing your own food. But we need a big radical change now at global scales. And so, yeah, it's this dance between the slow and small solutions and trying to really rev this up and to spread these solutions to everybody. I'd really like to raise the money to do a, a big national, but really international media and PR campaign around permaculture, just so that everybody in the mainstream world knows that there are solutions out there, that there are things they can do in their daily lives, that there are real impactful projects that they can be supporting so that we can have this global change. And one of the trim tabs that we've come up with recently is this idea of creating water credits instead of carbon credits so that people can pay into a fund that is creating a circular economy so that it's not always going to be dependent on the philanthropy. But I feel philanthropy is very important for jumpstarting projects. And so this is going to be looking at how can we then be creating jobs for people that are doing the practices that will restore the hydraulics cycle and doing things like swales and ponds and mycelium restoration and forests so that the forests are healthier. So when the fire comes through, it's not as damaging. And so there's more moisture content in the soil. Bringing back beavers, you know, looking to nature. What are the nature solutions? And that is really what I feel is going to get us out of this crisis, is really looking to nature and seeing what we can learn from there and amplify at large scales. I don't believe that it's going to be a technological fit to get us out of the crisis that we are in and the greater impending crises that are coming. And so is that a place where you would invite people who are working on landscape restoration, watershed restoration, people who are looking to move institutional money towards projects, or people perhaps who are looking to share their abundance from perhaps like a retirement fund, or if the company they work for allows them to donate to a nonprofit each year? that anybody in those kinds of categories who are interested should contact Abundant Earth 
to at least let you know about what it is that they have available and are working on so that you might consider partnering with them or creating an alliance towards these goals? Yes. Yes. Thank you very much so. And so there's lots of ways that everybody can be involved and be part of the solution, even if it's a $5 donation or $5 a month or $500 a month, you know, whatever people's level of comfort is, that there's ways to tap in. Or if you have a project that you want us to know about, especially around the watersheds or really anything, as part of that, we are building out the Weaver Network as a directory to be able to track all of these amazing projects around the world and so that we can then match them up with other partners and other forms of support as well. We're kind of working on our third iteration of that right now and integrating in some really amazing biomimicry-based technologies from Seven Vortex so that we can be creating this amazing knowledge garden and support network. And so I would say that if people are either individuals or organizations or projects and would like to partner with Abundant Earth Foundation or would like to submit a proposal for funding request, if you email info at AbundantEarthFoundation.org, please send us some information there. And if it's a good fit, then we'll send you our application for funding. Or just to know about your project, then we'll put you on the list for when the directory invitations go out. And then as far as people who are looking to do good with their money, because really, frankly, people, if we keep hoarding it, there's not going to really be a planet worth bending it on. Or how are you going to really tell your children about how beautiful the forest used to be and what a shame they're not there anymore? Right now is our chance to act. We're at such a tipping point, and we've got to tip it back towards eco-restoration if we're going to have a chance for the future. And so, yes, mass amounts of funding need to be moved towards regenerating the planet and healing the ecosystems. And so, even if you're involved in cryptocurrency, we're happy to take donations in crypto, or if you've made a lot of money off of it and you're looking what to do with it now to help the planet, that's what we're all about. If people are looking to work us into their retirement funding and different giving plans. We're happy to work with people in that methodology or making monthly donations or one-time yearly. There's so much money out there that I keep hearing about that people are looking to do good with. There's a whole new generation of people who have inherited mass amounts of money or been very lucky with their hard work. And there's now this plethora of new billionaires. And so let's all join together and really put that money to use right now while we have a chance. And so people can go to AbundantEarthFoundation.org slash donate 
if they'd like to just look into making regular donations, or if you'd like to have a one-on-one conversation and get deeper into this and, and ask more questions and look at more detailed giving plans, we'd be more than happy to have those conversations. And again, the info at AbundantEarthFoundation.org is a great way to start that conversation. Because we're really looking at, yeah, we, we support both very grassroots projects where just $500 can make a big difference, or we support a lot of scholarships for people to do trainings in permaculture or regenerative ag, but then also looking at very large-scale projects and working with like the housing crisis on the Pine Ridge Reservation or in Madagascar or establishing different learning centers that all take a lot more money. And so that's why we're able to accept donations and and make an impact at every level. And so we invite everybody to join us and think about the fair share ethic and what legacy they want to leave. And if you're trying to help create a world that can be abundant and thriving and healthy for everybody, as this planet can be. As we shift our economy from being extractory to being regenerative and creating the jobs around healing the planet, we can do that together. And one thing that I find comes out of this space is that so many of us are used to doing so much with so little as permaculture practitioners, as people who are interested in earth restoration for the people who are doing this on the land or who are engaged in these practices in other ways, it doesn't necessarily take the same amount of resources for us to do that kind of good as a more traditional enterprise might. I think about what you were saying there about a media enterprise to be producing material around these ideas and showing people what these projects look like on the ground and elsewhere. And it's something that I ran the numbers for, and like a full-time team of three people to do that year-round is a fraction of what it takes to produce an hour of network television. Instead, a small team can be producing like hours and hours of that material. And it's something that I've been working towards for a while now. And so like hearing again that there are other people who are interested in this work, there are lots of us who are doing this. So it is, you know, reach out to Hannah and the folks at Abundant Earth and let them know, you know, get in touch with me if these are the kinds of things that you're interested in, but don't know where to go. And together between our various organizations, we can point folks towards everything they need to start moving. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're looking to get the most bang for your buck, as far as donations and impact goes, yeah, donating to the permaculture movement, because exactly, We're used to doing more with less. And so we can really make these resources go further. And I mean, I was just down in Hollywood for some meetings and meeting with people that, yeah, we're doing a mainstream production. And just one episode of what they were producing could fund so many amazing projects and create so many jobs within the permaculture movement and go so far. And it's just like, 
it gets frustrating and frustrating knowing that we're sitting on all these solutions and we just need to help get it out there more to people and the general public. And that's why I think shows like yours and this podcast are so important for, for letting people know what's out there and then seeing how they can tell their friends about it and spread it. So it moves beyond just the choir and really gets into the mainstream mindset. And for people who are wondering if what they're doing would be a good fit for the work of Abundant Earth Foundation, can you share with us some of the projects that you're currently working with or have worked with in the past? Well, we're going through our judging process with the Youth and Permaculture Prize. This is um, our fourth year of sponsoring it. We've done it in partnership with Permaculture Magazine, which... Yeah, you mentioned I was the uh, co-founder of the North American version. And when that ended, it folded into the International Permaculture Magazine, which is still going strong out of the UK and, and such a great resource for people. And so we partnered with them for the Youth and Permaculture Prize. And now we're also partnering with Lush and their Spring Prize and Ethical Consumer is also a key sponsor of that. And so a 10,000 euro prize split amongst three projects from around the world led by people 25 and under or really supporting youth in their permaculture endeavors. That's a real exciting one and always so wonderful to see what amazing things youth are doing around the world. We are also partnering with John Rulak, who was the founder of Nativa and is very involved in the regenerative movement, has uh, Regenerate Great Plains, really looking at how do we switch farmers, mainstream farmers in the U.S. to regenerative practices. And so John and I are partnering to start the Agroforestry Regenerative Communities. And this is an endeavor to really spread agroforestry and in particular centropic forestry to, especially we're starting in East Africa and Latin America. And so really looking for who are the key teachers and projects that are already being successful. How can we amplify them? How can we offer different courses and then the support networks that are needed afterwards so that people can be doing this great ecosystem restoration and creating right livelihoods and then not needing to have to migrate to the U.S. or try to go to another country because they are able to support their family and their local communities and be able to stay on their land. And so we're very excited about that and just see that as one of the key impacts around the world doing agroforestry in these very responsible ways. Another really fun project is the Global Studio Alliance, which we've partnered with the Rex Foundation, which is the Grateful Dead's a nonprofit that gives out grants. And David Satori of Dirtwire and Beats Antique is coming on as a core member and expert Leaf Global and their One Mic project um, is another key member here. And then the alliance is just really building from there. 
So anyways, what the Global Studio Alliance is doing is bringing just the essential equipment needed for recording studio and media labs to communities that are often overlooked and underserved. The first one that we're doing is in the Kakuma refugee camp in northern Kenya, where the kids there have already made amazing videos, music videos about teaching permaculture and how to grow food in a refugee camp in 110 degrees weather with very few resources. And so these kids are using the equipment to make music videos to teach people about this. And we're doing our second one on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota to help not only spread about permaculture practices, but also cultural preservation. And we just are very excited about this. We hope to be raising the funds soon to also send equipment to the Amazon. We're partnering with mothers of the Amazon also to, you know, they were so devastated by flooding this last year that wiped out so many crops and also the clean water supply of these communities, very remote communities throughout the Amazon. And so working with mothers of the Amazon to dig wells and bring in water filters and help to restore their crops. And so we also want to bring equipment down there to help amplify their stories and their voices and use it as a tool for spreading permaculture knowledge as well. And this is all in conjunction with Perma Youth, which is also another network that we've helped support start, which is youth mostly 20 years and under, even mostly like 14 to 8 years old. Brilliant young people that are just sharing their passion for permaculture. And so really trying to help build out that network as well so that more youth can find this touchstone into the permaculture world and have friends around the world through this network. So those are some of the, kind of the, the larger projects that we're working on. And then also really trying to support just more local grassroots individual projects, and again, mostly ones that will focus on helping women. We support the East Africa Indigenous Seed Network, Chasing Change, which is some youth media projects trying to get going there. And I could go on and on. <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if people go to our website, we've got a number of different projects there. And especially if you go to the AbundantEarthFoundation.org slash donate page, then you can see some of the individual projects that we are specifically fundraising for. And as is so easy with, with these conversations, there's always more that we could cover than in the time that we have <laughs> allowed or allotted. So, But I appreciate knowing that you're working on so many projects worldwide that have direct impacts on the local community, as well as being able to share these stories and amplify the conversations that are occurring. I know it's one of the kind of issues that I've had for a long time is being someone who is monolingual and working largely in the Anglosphere that permaculture arose in, that I'm limited in the conversations that I can have to the English language and know that there are so many people doing amazing work who I'd never be able to communicate with directly. So hearing what you are able to do by getting equipment to folks that they can be 
working within their own communities and speaking to the people who will hear them most clearly. As a longtime media producer, that's great to hear and really reassuring. Yeah, you know, it's permaculture really has always inspired my media career. I was 18 when I discovered permaculture and I've always wanted to use media to share these stories and solutions and let people everywhere know that they can be part of the solution rather than the problem. And I think everybody wants to do good. They just don't always know how. And so that's why we're trying to make it accessible to everybody to to be part of this ecosystem to help heal the planet. And, And there's just so much that can be done. And every meeting I'm in, if it's with big funders or looking at how do we reframe the investment world so that people are investing more in regenerative projects. You know, it's not just philanthropy. We've also got to be looking at our investment dollars and drastically changing our attitude there to be more risky and and help support some of these projects that will have a longer term return on investment. But I like to talk about ripple out impact as our ROI. But, but it's all about the stories that people are looking for. And so that's what we're trying to help gather. And, and so really our theory of change at Abundant Earth Foundation is who are the people really doing the good work that are really trying and having success in their projects? How can we help tell their story and spread that out there and then amplify their work and try to create right livelihoods and jobs for other people doing this work so that we can all be shifting the economy in our own way to restoring the planet. But it all comes down to storytelling and alliances and, and working together and, and being brave and, and staying optimistic about the future because we can create an abundant earth for everybody. And in creating those connections, providing those opportunities, creating the ability for people to have a right livelihood and engage in these practices regularly, it can become a full-time endeavor for more and more people so that this isn't a part-time piece of their interest or efforts, but rather they can turn their full self towards this kind of change. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One of the the big differences I've seen in my international work is that permaculture really in the U.S. kind of tends to be a bit of a hobby, whereas for the rest of the world, it's a matter of life and death. And I see that again and again. And with people who are able to provide food, we partnered with ReFarmers, an organization out of Canada that does a lot of work in Kenya and Uganda during covid as a response to suddenly kids weren't able to go to school, which is where they got most of their meals. And so planted over a hundred kitchen gardens for grandmothers that are often supporting 10 to 15 orphans. And so going in and establishing these small kitchen gardens, and then if there was an abundance of food, they could sell that at the farmer's market and have an income. And so I just think there can be such a great marriage of people in North America 
that, yes, do permaculture, do what you can on your own ground, but then we can also be helping support people around the world that are in such dire straits, but using permaculture as that means to survive and hopefully move towards thriving. And in the time that we have remaining, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? I'm working on this project called Anchors to the Future, and it's interviewing people 10 years in the future about our success and creating the world that we want. And for me, it's been a very powerful exercise to really think about the future as a positive place and that we can create the world that we want to live in and that we want to leave to our children. And even more so that we can stop this mass extinction and leave a planet for the rest of the species to keep thriving on. And so I guess that that is what I'd like to leave the listeners with is just to tap into their own imagination and their own heart space to really think about the future that they want and know that we can get there if we put in the hard work now or the hard play. I mean, let's make this fun. (laughs) That's a big part of it too. And that if we pool our resources, both financial and mental with our knowledge and with our hearts and everything and come together that we really can create that future. And, and for me, that's the only thing that keeps me going. And so I invite everybody to, to dream into that space and then come together to make it happen. Well, Hannah, thank you for that, everything else you shared with me today, and for joining me for this conversation on the Permaculture Podcast. Thank you so much, Scott. And thank you so much for sharing these stories that you do through your podcast. It's, it's really important. And, and I hope that um, you get the support so that you can continue doing this great work as well. And that was Hannah Eckberg of Abundant Earth Foundation. Find the website at AbundantEarthFoundation.org or get in touch with the team by emailing info at AbundantEarthFoundation.org. As Hannah shared, if you're in a place to contribute to any of the many projects they're working with, or to the mothership, as she calls it, your donation is tax-deductible and will go to help a number of worthy causes creating impactful change around the world. To go with this interview, in the show notes I'm going to link to some earlier episodes of the podcast, like those with Brad Ward and Trevor Tyshawn, to expand on the ways that nonprofit and philanthropic organizations have an impact on the peoples and communities they serve. From here, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, my sabbatical is complete and the show is back in full production. Over the next 12 months, I'm aiming for 45 long-format podcast episodes. To supplement those and cover your questions, as well as the books, resources, and materials that don't fit into a podcast, I've been live streaming on YouTube for the last few months, and am adding at least 24 of those to the production calendar as well. If you're able to join those live, they're also a way for us to have a real-time conversation via your comments and questions in the chat, with my responses coming live on air during the stream. Though it's short notice, the next live stream as this episode comes out is on Saturday, July 22nd. 2021 at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. GMT, to continue a series on David Holmgren's Principles of Permaculture. This is part two, examining principles four, five, and six, apply self-regulation and accept feedback, use and value renewable resources and services, and produce no waste. 
If you weren't able to join me then, there's another live stream Tuesday, July 27th at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. GMT. If you can make either or any in the future, I'd love to have you. The channel for the show is at youtube.com slash the permaculture podcast. This production plan is tied to the summer to fall fundraiser. My goal this year between now and the end of October is to raise $25,000 and fully fund a year of the show. In addition to the planned episodes and live streams, having the budget for the year taken care of early allows for planning other opportunities like in-person interviews, video site tours and documentaries, and event coverage. If you're not able to donate at this time, I completely understand, and you can help by sharing your favorite episode of the show, subscribe to the YouTube channel, or dropping me a line with questions to include in an upcoming live stream. If you're able to contribute to this campaign financially, please do, as your giving allows this work to continue and touch the lives of tens of thousands of people making a difference for themselves and their communities every day. If you'd like to learn more about this fundraiser and discuss it with me one-on-one, feel free to get in touch and we can talk about this need in more depth. Email show at thepermaculturepodcast.com, call or text 717-827-6266, or drop something in the mail. Scott Mann, 210 East Fairfax Street, number 300, Falls Church, Virginia, 22046. Until the next time, spend each day engaged with projects you believe in, while taking care of Earth, yourself, and each other.